This is episode 73 of the Rising Man podcast with Hinari O'Brien. Every day has its night. Blessings, Rising Man family, and a very warm welcome back to the Rising Man podcast. If you don't know by now, I am your host and the creator of this show, Jetty Azuma. And boy, oh boy, do we have a hot one for you today. I mean it. I mean it. I really mean it. But before I introduce this week's guest, I'm going to issue an invitation for the men out there. Those of you guys who are craving connection with other brothers on the path, those of you guys who are willing to take a look at yourselves deeply, to call yourself and other men on their bullshit, and to support one another through the triumphs and challenges of life, I want you to step up and join us inside the Rising Man Fire Circle. This is our virtual men's circle. We have two calls every month, a private Facebook group, direct support and connection with myself and my power team, and connection with over a dozen brothers across the world you can sign up to be a part of this by going to patreon.com slash rising man 33 dollars a month grants you access to this private circle of brothers it's your chance to help support the podcast and bring your game to the next level so consider doing that we've got men joining every single month and the fire's just getting hotter all right let me introduce my guest for today, a very, very special man who hails from New Zealand. Hinari O'Brien is a gifted, intuitive coach, spiritual teacher, and breakthrough trainer. Hinari is known globally for his direct and unique style of training and coaching, which cuts swiftly through layers of conditioning to reach the core issue, giving people direct access to a new level of expanded freedom. No joke, no bullshit. He's about that. <laughs> Hinari has been directly trained and coached by luminary greats such as Neil Donald Walsh, and Jack Canfield. He traveled throughout Europe with beloved teachers Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay. Hinari is trained in almost every modality available and now collaborates weekly with the biggest names in personal development, spirituality, and neuroscience. Truly a heavy hitter. He's been in the game for a long, long time before coaching was on anybody's radar. So in this episode, we talked about how words and lists are only windows into truth and experience. Ooh, what does that even mean? Just hang in there, hang in there, it's coming. We talked about how in the world of personal development, the messaging can lead us to believe that we should always be somewhere else than we are right now. The importance of just embracing and accepting where we are in this moment. We talked about how you need to not feel good enough in order to feel good enough. It's ironic, right? How every day has its night. It's all part of the process. Trust the process. We talked about the path of the hero and how the path is to embrace the duality and the shadow of life and to really milk those lessons for what they're worth and not to turn away from them. Hinnity also mentioned how your bank account is an indication of where you are in your life. And this is a super confronting question the way he introduces it. So be ready for this. Buckle up your seatbelts. Talked about the potential of humanity when we all have the freedom to express, the dangers of constantly trying to look good or be somebody, and how the real work, the real personal development work is in prisons with the homeless and the downtrodden. So much fire in this episode. I'll let Hinnity do the rest. Without further ado, Hinnity O'Brien. All right, Rising Man family, I have a very special guest calling in from all the way on the other side of the world, a man who I'm very much looking to tap into his wisdom here and looking forward to bringing his energy onto the Rising Man podcast, a man by the name of Hinari O'Brien. Did I get that right that time? Yeah. All right. So it's good to have you here on the show today. Thank you for coming in this early in the morning. I start off every episode by asking my guests this question. What is the difference between a boy and a man? Uh, biology. Biology. Tell me more. Well, a, a boy has not gone through testosterone reliance on the body changes. I, I just say it's basic biology. A boy uh, has an experience the testosterone coming through the body, and and forgive me for saying, in the uh, nuts dropping and the hair growing. Mm-hmm. When he hits that stage, then he becomes the voice drops, and as well as the nuts drop, then he becomes a man. Uh huh. On the way. Man. Yeah, it's just, I, I'd say, basic biology. So in what ways are they not different, the boy and the man? How? In what ways are they similar? Well, they have a stored, I'm going to go biology and neurology. They have a stored a memory system that carry, that can, similar as they carry a stored memory system through the duration of their life. 
The only difference that changes is the man has to be reliant on that stored memory system, uh, whereas the boy uh, relies on the parents to help him create that stored memory system. Uh, so there's a sense of autonomy and taking personal authority and accountability to ourselves that happens as we step into whatever we're calling manhood or being an adult is what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's like uh, exactly what you see. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I like I like that because a lot of times I get responses to this question that make a very large distinction between boy and man. But in, in this case, you're saying that there's not much actually different. It's just the biology. We're, we're becoming more of someone as we go, but we're never really entirely different. Exactly, because uh, a lot of people um, rely on the ambiguity in words through spiritual dialogue that sounds wonderful. I always take it like this. If we're here biologically in these bodies, then that's the most spiritual gift we have because it's so fleeting. 80 years we have, 60 years, some of us have less, less, some of us have more. And so to be in the grungy, gritty, suffering, joyful biology, spirituality of life is, is more meaningful than looking to the different realms. I mean, you, I always say you'll get there in the end because everyone dies. <laughs> so, I mean, I say really get present with being a father, like being a father, being a husband, creating a business. There's nothing more spiritual than that because you get to experience your own humanity. Uh, and I, um, I like that. I call it gritty spirituality. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, man. And, and I really appreciate the simplicity of it all because I do find that, especially nowadays with all of the YouTube videos, all of the personal development, uh, there's so much terminology out there. And I, in my opinion, it can be really complicated. We overcomplicate the purpose or the point of being a human and being here. So it's refreshing to hear that. And I, I think that goes along with not taking ourselves so seriously. And that's that's something that I really wanted to chat with you about today as well. Yeah. Uh, if you look through the biology of the body, neurology, we the body is designed to really avoid pain and, and seek kind of pleasures. So living through that, we get to see practically in our lives what the experience, like real experiences are. People can talk to us uh, all day about the wonderful six realms that are beyond this or the spiritual meditations. But I like to say, well, that, that's beautiful. I love that and I enjoy meditation. But let's go back into the actual living of your life. And if you could go back into that, what is it really like to be you and the humanness of it all? Because mm -hmm. uh, I, I find that practically then helps people see where they are physically, emotionally. And practically so that we can create, like if they're wanting to move forward or create change or something different. Mm. I think that's a really great check-in point. I'm checking in with myself as you bring that up, is what is your experience, the humanness of your experience right now? What are you, what are you really feeling and experiencing underneath all of the language? Because there's, there's a lot of language and descriptive terminology that we can put to our experience, but what's really going on? Like, for example, right now, I'm tired. I've got a newborn baby, so I'm I'm feeling tired. I haven't I took off three weeks from work, so I'm feeling a little bit of stress in my body about getting back on the working front and being able to provide for my family. I'm also feeling a dose of excitement right now, connecting with with you, another another individual who I've been looking forward to having a conversation with for a while. But I wasn't really connected to that when we came into this conversation. It's easy to get distracted by all the other stuff that we have in on our plate. Yeah, that's what I always say to myself and, and other people is the reliance on where you're at is more important than where we should be because where we're at is always a real indication of what's going on for us. And then we can play with that. Like to be less serious is to be honest about where we're at. It's not to avoid it. I think in the world of personal development, we're taught to be something that someone says we should be. And we forget that who we are is already going through like tiredness i'm creating an event and it's very stressful and i've been people you know people should be saying you should be eating clean and i find myself every three or four days reaching or ordering a big hunk of chocolate pudding or something like you know because it's just it's just the only thing i seem to be able to reach for in my stressful situations in creating this next event i know i shouldn't but going for the next step up in our business has me then go back to the little boy that always relied on food so Mm. It's a really, it's a real paradox, like going for something and then experiencing the other parts of life, some of the stuff we don't sometimes want to admit to, sometimes don't like to see, sometimes don't even like to talk about, but I can tell you what, definitely love to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm right there with you too, man. I love the transparency you're bringing. So, so how do you be with that? 
How, how do you be with the, uh, sort of a, a reverting back to past ways of being at the next level that you're pushing for? You learn to love it like an old, like a long lost friend. I used to play basketball professionally and I had a girlfriend who was a model. And during that time, she said to me, hey, Hinari, we can eat food and vomit it up because she was bulimic. And so for seven years, I was bulimic as a man. Mm-hmm. And that was 20 years ago. And recently, I, I've been getting fit again. And wanting to, I'm 43 now, wanting to get fit and get back into it. And something happened where in this fitness, the, the trailing memory of that bulimic 20-something-year-old boy has reemerged as a 43-year-old man. And I'm like, wow, I thought that was really gone. But what it really is, is a communication from a 21-year-old of what occurred to me now as a 43-year-old man. And when it comes up, I really learn to love that I'm not, I continue to be not perfect mm. and continue to see things that want to be recognized in me for what they played, what role they played in my life. Mm. I mean, I had the beautiful, I mean, I was getting paid professionally to play basketball. I had a beautiful girlfriend. I was traveling around. I was hanging out with very affluent people in the sporting arena and it was just wonderful that memory comes back as well as the bulimia which was a small part and a big part of my life back then so it's full appreciation it's funny because I've never been able to eliminate anything so when it comes up for me I say that I, I remember that on some level if I'm feeling down if I'm feeling weak if I'm feeling not so good if I'm not feeling great if I want to eat food it's more of a, oh, wow, here it is. Hello, brother from another mother. I appreciate your back. And people say to me, well, why, I want to get rid of this stuff. Well, I say, always say to them, well, look at, let's look at the biology. You've got a limbic brain that stores information and all these limbic parts, old brain. If you took them out of your, you know, biology, if you actually cut them out of your head, you would die. So that, can, that, that physical element in your brain is still existing. So on some level, it must store that somewhere. And so if it does, you wouldn't take out your limbic brain because it's part of your brain and you wouldn't want to take out these parts of your personality because they're there as an ongoing process to help you grow. If you, if you, if you can't feel unworthy, how do you create worthiness? Hmm. Wow. If you can't feel not good enough, how do you create good enough? People go, I just want to be good enough. I was good enough, good enough, good enough. I'm like, well, do you just want to be uh, up? You want to be awake 24 hours a day? They're like, what do you mean? I said, if the sun shone 24 hours a day, forever would that be good for you oh no i need to sleep so you need the moon yeah so the sun is the good enough the moon is the not good enough you need a transition and and if you're growing you will transition between the two and even though personal development says let's get rid of it it's if you're growing you'll never fully get rid of it you'll learn to appreciate that it's there as a long lost brother as a long lost friend reminding you that the path of the hero is to embrace Mm. And then grow. Yeah, well, that's super fascinating, man. I really appreciate that perspective on things because I do. I agree. A lot of times we're tempted to get really trained at identifying the ways of being that we've determined haven't worked for us or that we would like to leave behind, without bringing gratitude to the table, being grateful for those things. And it's, I mean, it's it's such a, it's such a perspective shift. I think a lot of people will hear that and say, "Well, how can I be? How could you be friends with something that?" didn't serve you that was in your past because it's, it's a part of us is what I'm hearing you say. And I had a, I had a buddy of mine also tell me one time that if we divorce ourselves from our past, then we lose a piece of who we are yep. and who we, who we've been, what's, what's allowed us to get to where we are now. It's hard to appreciate that in, in the struggle sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll admit it's hard for me as a man to appreciate and, and find that perspective of, Hey friend, good to see you again being, you know, stressed out old Jetty who used to run around and live live in survival mode. That's 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 hard for me to come to terms with. It's because we don't have leaders that show that that, 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 that they're going through it as well. What we have is leaders that are trying to show us how to make more money, be stronger, be better, but you never get to see them in the background where they actually feel like this anyway. So we don't have a in this community we don't have a model of a, of leaders that are showing up not only wonderful, beautiful, rich, powerful sexy, pretty, strong, knowledgeable, we have, we don't have the other side of it. And yet most of them are going through more, if uh, more than the average person because they're growing. Mm. So I find I'm finding a lot of our leaders are not showing up that way because they want to show their best selves, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then what is teaching other people to continue to show up like that. And then what's happening is uh, a lot of our leaders are more lonely, more sad, 
more not feeling not good enough in the background because they can't show that in the foreground. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, it's not it's not their fault at all because I get a lot of people coming to me and saying, oh, I was with this person and they're so uh, I was with them for such a time and they were so authentic or mean or uh, or they didn't show up the way that I thought they would. They didn't make me the money that I thought I would. And I'm hearing this all the time and I'm like, yeah, remember, they're only meant to guide you. You're the one making the decisions about your life. Hmm. And then they go, no, no, but I paid them money and I did this. Well, I say, well, who resides in your body? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, you have a body that's got made of up of matter, right? Yeah. Well, who sees through it? Who hears from it? Who smells in it? Who tastes from it? And they're like, uh, I don't know what you mean. And I'm like, well, who's the one living in you? Who's the one living out of your body? Me. So then everything that you may think is not about you still has you been affected by being in that body. So it doesn't matter. You chose that person, right? You did this. You wanted to do that. You're even complaining about them now. <laughs> I said, first you have to see that you're doing that and acknowledge that you are not, not wanting to feel good at the moment and complain. That's good. I said, you've got to recognize it, though, because you're not recognizing that you're being human and complaining and moaning and because we all do that. But then what you're not doing is you're not letting it go eventually to allow more space to come into your life that lets you flourish. Mm. <laughs> the next thing is most people in personal development spirituality are showing up that they're making money and they're helping all these people, but you go behind the scenes and many people aren't making money. The majority aren't. The majority are not feeling connected. The majority are trying to show up polished with the best ideas and the most amazing systems of making your life better. And then I just say to them, if they, if, when I used to work with them, show me your bank account. Like, and then it would really be a practical balancer for people because mm. they, would, they would be like, oh, no, I didn't need to show you that. I'm like, well, it's a physical representation of where you're at in your life. And they're like, oh, I, I feel confronted by, by you saying that. I said, well, to get going forward, you've got to allow me to see what you're not showing. Hmm. And if you show it, then we can, uh, we got something real to work with. We, we got something real practical and tangible. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they're like, oh, that's so risky. I'm like, well, you're going to be a long time dead. You might as, if you're in this game, you might as well play full out. <laughs> and I love that, man. That's actually something else I think is really important to talk about is this fear of looking good is what I call it. There's there's the, the fear that we won't look good or that we won't be approved of, that we won't get accepted or seen as competent. And I'm sure it's different in different parts of the world, but I do think that there's a common pattern, especially when people start to put themselves out there in the public eye, whether it's as a personal development leader, an influencer, et cetera, whatever, whatever you're doing in the world, there's this there's this resistance to showing our, our ugly, I call it sometimes, showing our ugly, showing those parts of ourselves that we're not as proud of or willing to bear on the forefront. So so what do you have to say about that, that, that fear of looking bad? It's a natural byproduct of the brain. The brain always has to turn negatives into a positive real quick to survive. Mm. So looking, looking good is the design of the brain wanting to project into the world an image that helps it survive. So when someone's wanting to look good, it's actually a projection of them trying to survive in the world. Mm. The better looking, the better looking I am, the more good I be, the more people will like me, the more social groups will accept me, and I'm surviving well in the world. Mm. So what happens is we create an upward arcing, we upward arc towards this image, and what we do is we reject the original uh, moment where we had the feeling of not so good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, say, say at five years old, I was at kindergarten, a little school for children, uh, and mum left me at the gate, and she walks away, and I'm screaming, banging at the gate, and I'm screaming, and in my neurology, because I can understand language, I think I'm not good enough because mum won't stay with me. The brain quickly flips that around. I forget, but it encodes in me, mm-hmm. and then I think, and then my brain says to me, "You need to be someone that's stronger, faster, better, so people will make you will be good." And so then I become a professional basketball player. I become good with the woman. I become, uh, I, I'm the, I come out of a real violent upbringing and I'm a nice guy. And I start proving to myself over time that I am a good guy. Mm-hmm. But then that over time through percentage depreciates because I can't hold that image forever. It's impossible. It's like saying, hey, Henry, you're always the son. You're not. The-. And so over years, it starts to depreciate. We're at 29, 26, I get an insight to saying, oh, shit. And at 29, 
I really have a, a depressive breakdown because the not the bad is starting to come through again because mm-hmm. it wants to be heard and represented in my life. And then I get to meet myself again, and it, and it's just it's just depressing. It's suicidal. It's sad. It's dejected, and because I over time pretended it's not there, it comes rushing back like a beautiful wave that I've been trying to hold hold back. Mm. And most people in the world try to keep that image going because it has served them in the past. But in, if they really want to get present to their complete humanness, it won't fully serve them in the future. Mm. Yeah, tell me. So let's let's dive into that a little bit more because a lot of people. I like how you use the sun and the moon reference. A lot of people would call say the light and the shadow, and I would agree. I think that's also been my experience too. Is my strategy? I developed a lot of really successful strategies for surviving in the world by getting people to like me, by being a, a nice guy and and being uh, affable with people, and to the point where I rejected a lot of my of that darkness of that shadow side of me for a long time. And to the point where it created breakdowns, it created depressive episodes, it created a lot of that. It revealed itself to me because it, it had to. It was like a like the, the neglected child in me that needed to be seen. So what is your invitation for people? Instead of suppressing or, or putting down this moon side of ourselves, the shadow side, what do you, what do you invite people to do? Well, that's an p- interesting paradox. Because the paradox is the people that are living their lives more fully just experience that as it comes up and, and deal with it on the spot. Mm. The paradox is if I make a suggestion, then I fit inside the personal development world suggesting to you guys exactly what everyone else is doing. Mm. Yeah, to be with it, to be present to it. Yeah, I would say if you look at really authentic people, they don't try to figure that out. What they do is they make a stand for something and they deal with that as it shows up unpredictably. See, personal development is trying to predict when it will show up so that it can stop it. Huh. Yeah. So I'm, when you ask me that question, I'm in a paradoxical uh, situation because if I say my ideas around it, it's not going to make a difference to anybody on the call. But if I say if you get support while going through it and knowing that you are going through it, Unpredictably, when it shows up, then uh, somebody will be there with you in your stand of what you're creating in your life. Hmm. And that's what I found to be the most helpful for me. I'm, I'm a huge advocate, especially when in the conversation of men. I think that it's become so taboo for men to speak about what's really going on beneath the surface. This fear of looking bad is amplified for men, or maybe just different than how most women experience it. But to be able to be vulnerable and authentic in a circle of other men and to support each other in that way. That's, that's been some of the greatest healing that I've ever found. And, and one of the places that I'm able to find that support when I'm going through my, my difficult times. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, that, that is fantastic if you can get that support, especially, but even more than that, I would say, in life, when you're moving through uh, creating something, whether it be family, which is a long-term thing, or a goal in business, or a, a personal goal in fitness, or whatever, it's the un- unpredictable event showing up that really gets you to see who you are. Mm. And then, like you were saying, if you're moving through it and experiencing it and then having people support you while you're going through it, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. It's, mm. it's the first, first step. Yeah, agreed. Well, I think that that's good, good wisdom, good advice for anyone out there is to uh, – because that's also a practice too, is learning how to be with those challenging times when they come up. Like you said, the unpredictable moments that inevitably arise. We can never – we can prepare ourselves as best we can, but you can't prepare for everything. And those are the ones what we what we're not prepared for. If we're not prepared for dealing with the unpredictable, then it's bound to come and sweep us off our feet at some point. Yeah, the, a friend of mine, a beautiful man who he's moving to Spain. His he said he said his dad after thirty years, his wife had left him, and he was just, spent two years in a dark hole. And he said to me, "I can't understand because he was so loving to us. He was so giving to my mother." I don't understand why he's getting all this karma. He said he should be getting riches and all sorts. He should have a beautiful life to the end. And I said to him, well, if, if you look at it like this, maybe he was trying to keep his life so good that karma has come around to show him the other side. He said, what do you mean? I said, he was trying to be good for so long. He potentially may have been avoiding the bad. And the bad shows up after 30 years of being held in the background. Mm. And he was like, oh, he said, oh, that makes sense because my dad, you know, never wanted things to be upset. He didn't want upsets. He didn't want things to go wrong. And for 30 years, he was able to sort of contain that. 
And then he said, and then my mother left, which is a total shock. And he said, I really hate her now. And I said, well, hold on a second. I said, maybe she was the, the road to allowing him to open up to the karma that he was avoiding. And maybe that uh, if, if you don't hate her, accept her for doing that on some level, maybe at the start hate her because that's natural and then you learn to forgive her, then your dad's karma will change as he balances himself up between the night and the dark. Mm. I mean, the light and the dark, I should say. And he, he was like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. I said, yeah, because I said, look, look at it practically. If you take a magnet and you try to cut off the negative end of a magnet, it'll always reappear. So we know that the, the practicality of north and south, the North Pole and the South Pole, the positive and negative, is part of natural life. So if he's learning to be with a negative again, it's come because he potentially, karmically, has pushed it in the background for 30 years trying to be the good guy, the good dad, the good husband. But just like a wave wants to come into shore, he's now meeting 30 years of bad in a wow, in a real, real tidal wave moment. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've got a recoup on that. If we're not staying within balance, it comes roaring back with a vengeance for us sometimes. And I like the polarity of looking at the polarities of life and just the... Appreciating both ends of it, you know. You said you said something earlier on about always being in the sun and having having twenty four hours of sunlight. That's that's not good for anybody. And um, I could really relate to that space. I think that that's also it's also kept me in a space in my life, especially up until five years ago, of really playing it safe because I was so scared to step out into something that might result in me falling on my face or looking poorly or not doing something that would earn me favor in the people around me. And so, so what have you found about people's ability to take risks if they're caught up in this, you know, it's always sunny? They won't. They'll pretend that they're growing, but they won't be. And how you can measure that is through their bank account. Mm. Tell me more about that. So people don't like, people like to speak about, they, anybody can use words. Everyone's a good talker nowadays. Everyone's a master trainer, master coach, and all sorts of stuff. But there's no evidence unless you just go to their bank account and see a progression of income mm -hmm. over time. Now, it might, seem, it might seem strange, but it's the most practical measure of how a person's growing. Mm. Because in the personal development industry, it's all about growth. So you can't measure ambiguity in words. You can't measure what a person is saying to you. I was sitting with a group of coaches in Ubud, and they were all talking, and they were feeling great, and they were pushing each other up. But I said, man, this is really a beautiful conversation. But, I mean, what are you guys making? I mean, you, you, you were here for 10 years. You've been in Uber for 10 years, and I've never seen you leave that little tiny house that you're staying in. You're talking about working with all these amazing people. You wouldn't think that if you're working with Marie Folio and that, that there would be a natural progression in income over time. Mm. And they started, they started shaking in their shoes. But I said, look, I want to have a real conversation. If I'm going to derive or get something out of this to see how I can grow, then I can't just sit here smiling and agreeing with everybody. Mm. I really want to know if you've got some information that can uh, uh, grow my business this is called practical spiritual conversations, then please let me know. Otherwise, I, I'm just going to stand up and head off and and, that, and I love you and appreciate you having me here for the time and I'll see you guys later. Hmm. And they said to me, well, what are you? So, and then as it naturally does when you bring a, a friction friction conversation, they said, oh, well, what are you making? And I was able to practically tell them how much I made in the previous week, which was which was a great amount of money. Practically, not because I was trying to boast, but because I was trying to say, hey, if you, can, if you can show me how to progress from here, because money isn't never about money. It's about the value and what we can create in the world and how we can support. I mean, I came from nothing. I used to stand in the bread line when I was a kid and, and they would hand me food because we had no food in our cupboards. Mm. My parents uh, sometimes were very poor. We had, we had um, very little at times and money to me was something so foreign. But over the years, seeing that it actually can help me fund and pay for things and give to other people has really given me the memory of people giving to us when we were poor. Even though it was a struggle to a little kid, seeing people give you bread and give, give me food, food and give me all these beautiful things was more of excitement because even though the adults were suffering, I was full of joy because somebody was giving me this food. It was so generous of them. They were, they were so loving. <laughs> and then on the positive side, to replay that memory in the future to help other people has been quite exciting. Like, how do I fund this and how do I give to that? And my wife is always saying to me, you give everything away. I said, I like I to it. It brings me joy. I keep something for a little while and then I'll, I'll give it away. Mm -hmm. 
He says, "What? Well, you need to keep that one. And I'm like, well, I'll be, I'll be dead a long time. So, uh, you know, if it's time to give it away, it's time to give it away. <laughs> well, I think that's, I think that's a great point that you bring up, man. It's especially because like you said, if you bring up a friction point and it makes people edgy, then you're on to something. Um, it makes me wonder though, what, what about, what about the folks who are making great money, making more money every year, but are missing something somewhere else? What, how do you measure for that person? Well, you then don't find you, you then inside of their world don't don't go to them as mentors. Mm. They're valuing money as a commodity that's getting them get something. Like there are a lot of men, there are a lot of people out there that are making a lot of money, but the focus is on the money. It's not on something about it's not about them giving or giving back to other people. It's how can I make more, be more, outdo people, outplay, be competitive, which is fine. Mm-hmm. If that's what you're wanting to do, the focus then could be on how do I serve? What's bigger than me that gives me the intention of creating something in the world that just really has me step up and show up? Mm-hmm. When if you're looking at mentors that have a lot of money but are not happy in that, then the focus must they must be focusing on the money too much. Mm-hmm. The money is only a commodity to show your own creative development. It's just bits of paper and zeros and ones. I mean, the meaning of it is nothing. Uh, the creation of of working towards something that brings money is the joyful part. The process of the journey as you're going for something that brings you affluence to support your family, to show your kids what it takes to step up is the most exciting part for me. Mm. My kids consistently saw us start from nothing in our house and they continue, my daughter and son continue to see us stepping up and be confronted and what, what the joy that it brings for me is that they seeing a model of how they can step up in their own lives. That's the driver for me. It's my kids get to see who I, who I was and who I can be by continuing to go for my dreams, goals, aspirations, loves. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then they build a, a model, not that they're learning in school, but that they're seeing practically in their home. Yes, yes. So my, driver, my driver is not the money. Living in Bali, I've got more money than I spend. I know what it's like to live like a king. I have rolls of cash in my hands all the time and I can buy whatever I want. The thing is, when I look at my children and I see them light up or question what I'm doing in my own growth, I get to really pass on some knowledge and it's bigger than me mm. because I'm taking care of my family. Mm-hmm. The money, I could, I could give two hoots about the zeros and ones and paper part of it, but it really gets me to show creatively what they can do in their lives. Yeah, yeah, man. And that's exciting. That's really exciting for me. And it gets me to see me and my wife, how she can, how we've created a relationship that is really bound in strength because we've been through so many lows. And she's my best friend and she shows up to me in new, exciting ways every day. And I bow and kiss her feet and and just love on her because I get to see her as a shining light consistently because we've known the dark. Yes. See, me and Kate's karma has always been the dark because we've come from gangs, from violence, death. And our karma is we've seen so much of that. Now we're embracing the light. And we're able to show light, just light people. Hey, remember you got other aspects of your personality that may sometimes when they show up need to be appreciated and, and, and loved for what they bring to you. Hmm. So yeah, my driver, my driver uh, if someone, like if you go to mentor someone, they've got a lot of money and you look at their relationships and it's really off or they're, they're not with their children or, that then I would reconsider the value that they're presenting to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I it. would take a full snapshot of their life. No, no, they don't have to be perfect, but they need to consider the most important things and take care. I always look at the people that take care of the important things first, which are family and caring for people uh, that that are important to them first. And then once that foundation is set, then people you can build off more joyfully because. Uh, what matters is taken care of. Mm. Yeah. And I think it also goes into having that awareness of, of what it is that you're looking for in this individual, because if that's, if you're looking for somebody you can model your life after because family matters to you being a provider and a good example to your children and raising children in the best way you can matters to you, then absolutely you want to look for that type of person. And depending on what it is, depending on what you want to learn, what you want to gain from having somebody as a mentor, Yeah. I think that it's, I also catch myself in that conversation of not making any one of those pursuits particularly wrong, just knowing where 
my values are. Cause like you said, you know, some people, their pursuit is all about making money and they make choices and sacrifices in other areas of their life so that they can maximize their energy and their output in, in other areas. And so I think that's just the the game we get to play is, is choosing, choosing what matters to us and, and owning it and, and taking responsibility for the consequences of all of it too. I think that's another thing that is important. And in, 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 at least for me and my measure of a character is how willing is somebody to take responsibility for everything that they've created, including the sacrifices that they've made and the, and the costs they've paid to get to where they are. If I can throw a little caveat there. And yeah, so initially when, when that happens is you, we all experience the, the downside of all the emotional upset of something that doesn't work for us. So uh, what people do is they try to plug the holes to not experience that and to get to the good side on the other side of that. What they do is they try and figure out with strategy, with ideas, with book reading, how to, st- what they don't know is they're trying to stop not feeling safe. Mm. So they try and so they try and plug the holes before they've experienced the water flowing to them. Mm. What I'm saying is uh, instead of plugging the holes, learn to swim. Mm. <laughs> well said, man. Well said. And, and going back to your family, you said that you have a 17-year-old, you said, who's almost on her way out. Is it your daughter? Yep. So she's nearly 17. She's 17 soon. She okay. is uh, going to university. Wow. And. She, we're teaching her to transition and be more independent. So she, uh, how we're working with her as parents at the moment is what is she creating in her life that has her smoothly move into her own independence as a, as a human being? She's becoming a woman, um, like a real independent woman. So what does she need to do now to build up the skill set as she moves out of the house to be someone that is not shocked by her independence but is growing into it? Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, and it's, it's real tough for her because she relies on us for month, food, shelter, all the basic things. So we're like, right, when we're not there, what are you looking to create that will have you? Because we're not going to give you everything that you need when you leave. We'll support you and we won't abandon you, but we want you to transition into being the person we know you are, which is an independent, strong, beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like that at times. She gets annoyed. She gets frustrated. I have to bring friction conversations to get her to grow. And that's very vulnerable for her being a teenager. And it's very vulnerable for us being parents. Mm-hmm. But we just offset by telling her that she's beautiful and that, you know, she, that we love her and we kiss her and cuddle her to offset those friction in conversations. Right. But unless we, with our son, and then with my son, he's very soft. He's more feminine. So my wife uh, said to me, you need to show him the ways of the warrior. And, and I was like, what do you mean? I said, he's so soft that if he goes into the world like that, people are going to manipulate, control, and walk over him because he's so giving. Mm. So recently, I've been showing him what it's like to be a man. Like the taha, we call it a Māori, the taha tīnana, which is the strength of a man, the body. Mm. And so I've been showing him what it's like to, to be resistant against things, to be strong against things, to take a position. He's learning to be uh, not only because he's got the soft, it's his nature. He takes care of animals, but it won't serve him if I don't show him the staff. We call it the taiaha, which is a, a Maori war weapon, a taiaha. He needs to feel the taiaha. He needs to know it. But he, I'm showing it with him love, with love. Whereas when I was a kid, I was showing it in war. Mm. I, was show, I was showing it in fight. And this is what I think is missing. I'm just going to diverge in men's groups. Is they tr- it's too soft. If the, you go too soft with men, then we try to turn men into women. Mm-hmm. And there's enough women out there doing great things. We don't want to take over or join the woman's space. We want to walk us beside them. But we have to have the mana, we say in Māori. Mana is the power and prestige to be men. If I go into a, a men's group, ask me, and this is for my son as well, and many men out there, a men's group in Ubud asked me to go speak. And they were doing cuddling and they were doing dancing and they were doing that. I said, that's beautiful. But where's the man part? They said, what do you mean? I said, where's the haka? Where's the haka? Where's the kamate, kamate, kaore, kaore, kamate? And they were like, what's that mean? I said, the Maori, will I live? Will I live? A man must experience, will I live? Will I die in their life? They must experience their masculinity on some level. If they don't, then they're always going to feel like there's something missing in their being. The haka is the war dance that we have. Kamate, will I live? Kamate, kaore, will I die? And we slap our, we slap our thighs and we, we cry to the, to, the, to the earth God and the sky mother. And we cry and we say, we're here. So that's what I'm teaching my son. And with men as well, too, many, too much woman teaching has a softness, which is beautiful, but 
The men need to be gritty. They need to know where they stand. They need to represent the power of themselves. And men go, some men go, spiritual men, why should I do that? I said, because you, you're a man. That's part of your biology. Right. I mean, if, if someone comes into your house and is willing to take away your wife and your, your children or they want to take away your partner, you're going to have to stand in your conviction as a man. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay. It's not to, I said, it's not to use that, not to go too far with that, but to recognize in you, you have the tahati nana. You have the strength of the man's body. Mm. And so at the, moment, at the moment, teaching my son that, my disappointment in the world is men are not being taught that. And men don't know how to be with other men in that, so they try and avoid that. They have men's groups that avoid that part of the tahati nana. Mm-hmm. And here's the problem. The men that aren't being taught in it are now in, all in prisons are not treating women well. Mm-hmm. That are only being taught the feminine side when the masculine rises up. Like the other day, a lady contacted me and she said, I just rang the police on my husband, who's a very spiritual man. He's never shown this before, but they've just had a baby. And so he doesn't know how to be a dad. And so he said, she, she, she panicked and she said, he exploded at me. I don't know who he is like this. And I said, he needs to get around men that can teach him how to be with it. He's a teaching woman. He's got all these women around him. And he's trying to pretend that he's all softness and no harm. Mm. And so she says, what should I do? I said, well, you should, firstly, you shouldn't talk to me about it. You should go to him and talk to him about it. And then advise him to get some help. Otherwise, in six months' time, it might, you, might go, you might have sex and make everything nice again. But it's going to come out of him again. Mm. And the next time police might take him away and then what does what happens then then his image of how good he is in the world is totally crushed because that's what he's showing and then you the child gets to lose the father for a while which is emotionally upsetting and then you lose a partner and husband who you desperately and lovely and and lovingly love yeah man and that's something i can really relate to it's something i speak a lot about on the podcast here is that as men we don't have the freedom to express ourselves in that way you know, I mean, yeah. it's it's beautiful to see that the haka is, is something that a lot more people are seeing and, and resonating with it. It's a beautiful expression of that masculine energy, that masculine force and power. And yet, if any, if, if I were to go out into the middle of my street and to bang my hands on my thighs and to, and to do that chant, 90, 95% chance that somebody's going to call the cops on me and think that I'm crazy because we've conditioned ourselves not to expect to see this from men. And I can remember when I was 16 years old, I had just gotten in a silly disagreement with my first girlfriend and I felt that energy come up in me, that 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 anger, rage, that frustration, and I needed it to be expressed. And there wasn't anybody there, my, not my mom, not my dad, that could, that could encourage me to channel it. All the, what I received was calm down, stuff it down. Like, let's, let's talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it. I just wanted to go fucking bonkers because it needed to be expressed. And so I'm, I'm all on board with you, man. And I, and I think that myself and many other men have learned to tame this part of ourselves because of, out of fear of it, out of, out of not having a relationship with that energy. And I think it's really important if we do anything to reestablish that connection to that energy that masculine force in a way that teaches young men how to be with it yeah because it's only when we don't know how to be with it that it becomes a problem yeah and you're right because you're talking when you're talking about going out into the street and doing the haka what you're saying is what has happened to people of culture for thousands of years because people of culture have had the answer to expression the aborigine in australia lived for fifty thousand years in peace the Māori in New Zealand lived it for a thousand years at war, but understanding that the Native American Indians had a balance between the earth. All natural cultures know that expression, and what you're saying is the indoctrination of capitalism saying, I can't do that. That's why now Western people and Western cultures are looking to the indigenous populations because they still have a connection to the earth. Mm. And they still have haka, and they still have dance, and they still have play for the men as well. Have you noticed that many uh, indigenous cultures don't do spirituality because they are spirituality? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're right. You can't do you can't do haka in the street because you're still living under a Western idea of how expression should be. And expression in the Western culture has created World War One and Two. We must be what we show up to be. 
and it's destroyed uh, cultures across the world. Mm. And now culture is being looked to as the force to um, be with war, but also bring peace because the African-American people taken from Africa know the pains of that. The Native American Indians know the pains of that. Now, if you look at them, they live for thousands of years in their, in their ways, learning and loving the land. And now uh, we look back towards that expression of haka in the street or dancing with the drums behind the tipi as a way to get back to who we, uh, who we are in the animal parts of our existence. Mm. You're right. We're all conditioned through not being able to do that in the streets, not being able to do that because we've been taught that the expression of the human being is a, in a controlled fashion, which has actually pushed back the suppression and then had us go to push it on other people very violently, including Vietnam on the Viet Cong, who were, you know, people just wanting to live their lives and civil wars and mm. all sorts of things that separate us from each other. Yeah. Uh, I feel sad for the people that can't do haka in the street. Mm. They feel they feel like they're looked upon crazily because that natural expression as human beings is what we all have the capability of bringing through if we're not conditioned to see how other people see that we are when we show up in that expressive way. Mm. So what do you what do you think it's going to take? What's it going to take for us to reclaim that part of our human expression? It's going to take the next hero's journey for the human race. Who can we be if we're allowed to express? Mm. We're seeing now that the, the vagina is now not a, a taboo thing. Women are showing up on Instagram, showing booty, vaginas, breasts. And so even though on one level it, it's, it can be overwhelming and saturating, on another, the expression of body by the repression of male uh, energy over thousands of years is they're really coming through strong. You know, the women are coming through showing their bits and pieces to say, hey, we're back. We got those too, matey. Hmm. And uh, you know, confronted by it because we have to deal with our own desires and sexuality. And women are saying, yeah, that's right. We still have this and you know that it still works. So expression is showing up naturally all over the planet through the, through the spiritual um, form of technology. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a natural progression. The, the, the idea of saying, will we survive this as human beings is always on the, is always on the forefront. Mm-hmm. We're surviving World War II, surviving the 60s, surviving. So now we're, we're we're looking to survive the technological age. But out of it, if we do survive, and it looks like we probably will, we get to learn a new understanding of expression. Mm. I think reading, reading and following the waves that as they happen rather than trying to fully influence them accepts that there are ebbs and flows in life. And we're in this ebb of expression now. Mm. There are more spiritual disciplines. There is more personal development. There is more culture showing up than any time on the planet. There are more booties, bums, muscles, breasts and showing up than any other time in it's the full expression and we have to deal with our, our acceptance or disgust with it. Hmm. Uh, and it's a great time for debate. It's a great time for uh, talk and it's a great time for accountability as men in power are now being accountable. Dictatorships are falling over. Men that have treated women really horribly, including from Bill Cosby all the way, who've had power all the way to the Hollywood producer that was not treating women well, are being accountable. So we're in this. We're in a great technological accountability transition. I think if we step into that together and call forth our own accountability and next steps, we're uh, we're riding that wave like um, the guys ride the uh, waves down at the beach here in, in Chengdu. We're riding it with excitement. Yes, yes. I like that spin you put on it too, man. Because that's it's easy to see the darkness and all of that. And I know that there's a lot of pain and and unexpressed, I mean, especially for women, right? Talking about the Me Too movement, just how much of the female, the feminine voice has been unexpressed, has been suppressed by these men who have mistreated women. So I like what you're saying of the simplicity of all of it, that every human being gets to be more expressed in all the ways that we haven't been so that we can all experience the full spectrum of our human body, of our human experience. And I, I also believe that there will be a lot of healing, a lot of transformation and change on the other side of that. I, I don't know if any of us can remember a world where humans have been that free to express themselves. I'm sure there's evidence of it, like you said, in some of these different cultures that are more natural, connected to the earth. But to see a larger and larger population of fully expressed humans, that's exciting to me. Yeah. So can I just say something? Yeah. 
this is the excitement of being practically human. At the end of the day, on the on the higher spiritual levels, nothing matters really. Like it's it's all going to end for us. We're all gonna uh, we're all gonna live. We're all gonna die. But in the grittiness of being practically human, what can we step into that makes us feel our humanity? That's what's missing from personal development. Personal development has become epistemological knowledge of me learning and then sprouting out the knowledge that I've learned rather than the stepping into the experience of uncertainty that calls forth in me my own hero, that calls forth in me my own steps, that calls forth in me my own light and dark. Mm. And that's why we have an industry that talks about how great they are, but there's very few that, and I think that's what's coming through in our industry, is that there are a few stepping forth now that are going, hey, I am all that in a bag of chips, but I am the guy that eats the bag of chips as well. I'm on the hunt for that myself in the industry because I am part of the industry. For a long time, I just was disgusted at the teachers that I talked and, talked and saw that were like famous teachers that were sleeping around, that were violent. And then I had to take a real good look at myself, seeing them that way. And then say to myself, shit, I'm part of the problem if I can't step into the arena and then see that we can be more authentic, true, honest, and real. Instead of judging these people, that's what they did with the best that they knew in the time that the the industry was growing. We're in a new phase now. People are wanting realness. They're They're wanting practicality. And if they're not wanting that, they're just wanting to look good. (laughs) <laughs> well that's it man i love that you're a stand for that and that you're uh you're leading that that front because i think that you're absolutely right man there's because even those people who have found a lot of great success and are, are hiding parts of themselves behind the scenes uh they're also f- struggling to find their way to authenticity and to that full freedom of expression i think yeah i, I hang out with prostitutes i hang out with gang members one of my best friends is a high-class escort and she asked me how to make her business better and I we talk about advice she shows me all the girls that are working under her and I cuddle her like she's my best friend I sit with my gang members you know why I hang out with them because they're not pretending that they're anyone else hmm. it's Jesus said the meek shall inherit the earth the people that become powerful are too powerful and most of my friends are people that have got their feet in the ground they're not trying to be anything they're not they don't have some of them don't have money some of them aren't big. They're not even on internet, internet. But I hang out with those. A lot of those people are my friends because they remind me of who they are just by living their own life. Hmm. Sitting down with my friend the other day, gorgeous, beautiful Instagram model, and her getting excited about because her her greatest love is uh, sex. So she just absolutely adores it. She's one of the few that can bring a real acceptance around it. And so she's planning with me the woman that she's going to be bringing on and what type of personalities. Now, if I brought 99% of the personal development industry and sat them down as she was expressing this, there would be judgment in the background of their, their minds for that. Mm-hmm. If I, when I take my gang, when I took my mate the other day, who's got a full tar muko, his face is tattooed and fully tattooed, and I see the personal development looking at him like he's strange, then I'm thinking the industry is missing out on being truthful because we're still trying to look good. We're not trying to be with people mm. yeah and that's uh, a lot of my friends are yeah, gritty hearty we call it just normal people and i keep them around me because they remind me not to get too big for my own boots <laughs> i think that's a good reminder for all of us at some point is to have the that realness around us and to surround ourselves with that other otherwise we become what we surround ourselves with and if it's if yeah I had a, sorry i'm just gonna spell this i had a famous personal development guy standing next to me the other day and he was standing next to me like he, his shit didn't stink. And so he was looking tough and strong. And I said to him, you know, and he was trying to act there. I said, don't act like that to me, bro. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, you ain't from my world. Don't act like you're from my world. And he was like, what do you mean? I'm from that world. I said, in about three hours, I've got three gang members showing up here. I can almost guarantee that when they show up here all tatted up, you're not going to be acting like this man that you are now. You're a gentleman. Don't be acting all the straight. And he, this is a famous personal development teacher. Mm-hmm. He didn't know. He didn't know what to do with it. Huh. He, didn't, he didn't know where to go with it. I said, you don't. You're trying to pretend that you're some type of masculine man, but you you haven't been to the depths of. You haven't seen people shot. You haven't seen people stabbed. You haven't seen people tomahawked. 
these guys, when they sit down, if you can sit with them and be present to that, then act like that. He was shocked mm. because he was trying to show up as something he's not. And then he's trying to teach men to be something that he, he can't be. And when the test came for him, he folded, we call it, he folded like a sack of potatoes. He dropped to the ground and because he was never taught to stand in his manna, his manhood. See, it's easy for all of us to get into groups of men and we're all loving and we're all kind. But when the wave comes and the men that need the most help are not sitting in the circles, they're sitting in the prisons. Mm. Most of these prisons in America and in New Zealand, they're overflowing with men that are wanting to learn how to express the masculinity in ways that are, are modern and new. But they don't know how, and then our teachers don't know how to show up to them. And I just say to them, if, if a teacher says to me, a teacher says to me, oh, you know, we're doing some great work. So good, great. Let's go to the prison and talk to them. Oh, no, I can't go there. It's scary. I say, well, that's where the, the work needs to be done. And if we can help these men, we're then it's filled because the men in your group, they're already, they're already amazing. Mm-hmm. They're already strong. If we can go to these men and take all of these men that we're training and take them in and help our other men that don't have these resources, then maybe we're on to something. Mm. And then you really get to see if the teacher of men's groups has the manna to stand. And a lot of the times I haven't seen him stand like this guy. He folded. He should have, if he stood next to me and said, yeah, I can handle that, then I would have said, wow, I've got a great teacher here in front of me that can stand with the Indian as he fires his arrows, as the Maori uses his patu, as the Aboriginal uses his, uh, his, his didgeridoo. He can stand with them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm looking forward to bringing as I step back into the personal. I retired for two years to look after my children. And I'm looking forward to stepping back into it with a little bit more mana, <laughs> a little bit more heartiness and realness as well because I think that's missing in our industry. And I'm, I'm sad for our industry because if we, we, we're we actually starting to lag behind the world. The world is really showing up authentically now and we're still trying to show up like we don't poo. <laughs> well said, man. I'm looking forward to seeing what you bring into the world and bringing that manna into the space because I think that's, I think that's really necessary, man. I, I, I think about myself uh, remembering being that boy and not knowing which way was up and which way was down, and yeah. I, I didn't see, I didn't see men embodying that that masculine force that you're speaking of, and I know that that's well, that's one of the things that attracted me to. Um, I mean, just the first time you see the haka, it's it's like whoa! It speaks to something primal in us, you know. The 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 movies about warriors and and war heroes. There's something about that because it's that expression of masculinity that we don't allow ourselves to have. What do we watch? We watch the Avengers. Uh-huh. What do we watch? Every movie is not about the the smooth transition of the hero. Every movie is about the fall and the rise of the warrior. Why, does, why is the Avengers now the greatest selling movie of all time, the highest boxer? Because we've seen the journey of each of those heroes, Captain America over 10 years, Tony Stark over 10. We see that in every single movie, but then we don't live it in our own lives. We watch it on the movies mm-hmm. and we cry, but we don't step into it as our own movie. Mm. Every movie based on a, every movie that's popular in the realm of the hero is, is about masculinity rising up to stand for something, to stand for something. And even though our hero villains show up, uh, in the end when we die, we're going to appreciate them, we're going to love them for showing up because we need them in opposition to us. But in the moment, we need to see who we are by the definition of someone being against us. Martin Luther King, Gandhi, and all the, you know, and all our greatest heroes, um, Muhammad Ali, they needed the opposition to, for them to show up. They needed the night to show up so that they could show their their light. Yes. That's what we need now is we need us all showing up with light and dark. Mm. We need us all because the world, Instagram is showing up. That's pretty authentic out there. People are getting really real. Mm-hmm. And so if we're lagging behind, we're going to start to miss out. We're going to be um, two steps behind because for so long, the personal development industry has been two steps ahead. Right. And now we're, we're, we're lagging in the race. So it's like, okay, if we're going to do this, we've got to catch up to people. By catching up to them, we can be with them and support and guide them with these tools that we've got along the way rather than have the tools as a way that we know works, but you don't know. Now the world is racing ahead of us. We need to go, hey, well, let's let's catch up with you. Let's do this together. <laughs> 
That's beautiful, man. I love the I love the simplicity of that message, and I think you're absolutely right on. I'm excited to see what else what else you're bringing into the space now that you're stepping back into it, man. I'm definitely going to keep tracking your journey. And as we start to wrap up here, I've got a couple of just lightning round style questions I want to ask you before you tell everybody how we can get more involved with you and, and doing some work with you. So you down for that? Yeah, definitely. Right. I mean, I can I just say I really enjoyed talking to you, GD. As a husband, as a man. Uh, and as someone that's curious about what could be next, and a man, you, a man, it's a beautiful conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, thank you. Mm, yes, man, honored to have you, and, and definitely illuminating some things for me personally. I really enjoyed this talk as well. So I look forward to going back through it myself, and for all the guys out there who get the chance to to dive in on this one. Thank you. So let's hit these questions before we wrap up. What is one thing you've learned in your life that you wish you knew back when you were eighteen? Nothing, because everything's been perfect. Awesome. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? I can't answer that question, my bro. It's so, I wouldn't, can I say um, discovering for yourself what that could be or is now? Mm, Yeah, let's go with that. Is there, is there a personal value that you live your life by that you think is important to you? I haven't discovered it yet. Hmm. Okay. Well, I like this. I like discovery. That's, that's, I think that's a useful compass point for us all to have is to be connected to that sense of discovery. So let's rock with that. Uh, And last but not least, man, how can people follow you, find you, figure out what you're up to and and get involved with your work? Well, I've got nothing out there at the moment. I'm actually supporting Kate is putting an event on in uh, Australia. It's Australasia's biggest event. So I'm sort of her support team. If they're in Australia or anywhere else, she, it's an event that has men and women coming together. And we've got some of the most influential people in, in Australia and the world coming to speak at it. So at the moment, if they see any advertising for she out there, S-H-E, and they see me or Kate on that, we'd love to see both men and women at that event in, in Australia. Other than that, I don't have a website or anything else. I'm on Facebook. I don't have much of an audience at the moment because I retired to be with my children. I think she, yeah, if you see the advertising and it calls to you, please come. We'd love to have you. Awesome, man. Well, I'll say this before we sign off. I've really appreciated the authenticity that you brought to the table. I know that that's, that's, a, that's a word that I saw in a lot of the videos and content that you put out. And, and you bring it, man. Uh, you, you bring the realness. I, I, I've only known you on this conversation, but there's a way of sensing from someone that what they're bringing to the table is who they really are. And I honor that in you, man, and grateful for you being that example in the world. Even if you're coming out of retirement, man, my, like Michael Jordan, right? You know, making the Making the return appearance for us. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, come and join me when I've got a few beers in me or when I'm eating chips, I'm a different person again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen, brother, great to connect with you, man. Thank you again and enjoy enjoy the rest of your day. You got an early start to it. I love this episode because my man, Hinari, hit me with something I wasn't expecting. He hit me with some real, raw, direct truth, which is refreshing in this world of personal development work, especially men's work, because one of the gifts of the masculine is being direct, cutting through the bullshit, getting to exactly what we're here to talk about. And he has such a gift, a raw gift in doing that. Truly a guy who's coming from his heart, living in his purpose. And for any of you guys who don't already know about him or don't follow him, he's got a lot of content out there, a lot of great things that he's up to in the world, just a good dude to have on your radar. So make sure you guys give him a follow. Mark your calendars right now. Our next Rising Man Fire Circle is going to be Saturday, June 22nd from 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can become a part of the Rising Man Fire Circle by contributing $33 a month over at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash rising man. Help us with the podcast. Get yourself in the community. It's a win-win all the way around. As always, you can get show notes with the links and resources for this episode and other episodes at therisingmanpodcast.com. Shout out to my man, Julian Subic, who hooks up the show notes every single week, gets those out there for you guys, make sure the episode is hand-delivered to you when we say it will be. So thank you, Julian, for everything that you do. Please subscribe to The Rising Man Podcast. Follow us, leave some ratings, some reviews, five stars if you think we deserve it, all the good stuff, everything that you could do to help us raise our ranks and raise our the awareness of The Rising Man and what we're doing. Whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're at, please rate us, review us, tell us what you think. Honestly, tell us your honest opinion because we really want to know. Helps us continue to improve what we're doing. 
And if you don't listen to us on any of those apps or they don't let you leave comments, you can always go to the website, therisingmanpodcast.com. Drop us a line there. Also, check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Podcast. We've got awesome content with snippets from every episode coming out each and every week. My man Rowan Tyne at Rowan Tyne on Instagram has been killing the Instagram for us. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for what you do. Shout out to Sean Offenbach at Infinite Melodics at Infinite M E L O D I X on his Instagram. He is the audio wizard making this episode sound so sweet, so professional, so good every time if you guys are looking for anybody to help you with your audio engineering needs sean is your man but his dance card is filling up so everybody out there make sure you hit him up quickly if you ever wanted to start a podcast or get something out there he's your man hit him up right now at infinite melodics and last but not least my man mark rose the lead fire tender in our rising man fire circle our community manager tribe leader inside of that space uh you will be getting to know him well if you join us inside the fire circle so thank you brother for everything that you do and to every listener out there every single man every single woman who's been tuning in and supporting what we're doing here at the rising man thank you Thank you from the top of my heart. It means the world to see what this has become in just over a year. So really appreciate it. Really mean that. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.